Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Calling Tau City, turn on your radio. I know we had some words last time, but that was so long ago. I got your message. It was a little harsh, you know. It's still a little hard for me to hear. Please take it slow. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders Network, featuring tales to terrify and far-fetched fables. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. I'm tuning in to your transmissions. I'm waiting to be found. And I'm building rockets. Pointing them to the moon. This is the Starship Sova. Everybody, welcome. Hello and welcome to show 620. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is fine and dandy. Now, totally off the off the sketch here. If you follow me on YouTube, you will notice I have, and if you don't, don't worry about it. I'll be only a second. Finished my polytunnel. Yes, it's been since October. The build of it, and we got it up about two weeks ago, and it's been this kind of process of you know once you've decorated a room and it's empty and bare, and you put your scatter cushions in and your sofa. That's what I've been doing. But yesterday I finished it. Did everyone who wants to go and have a look, just search Tony C. Smith on YouTube. There you go. Enough of that. Let's get in the day's show. Like I say, show number 620, Joachim Hindemans, the main fiction. It is Ice in the Dark. And it's narrated by Brian Rowlands. I'll give you a little heads up about Joachim. Joachim Hindemans writes, draws and paints nearly every waking hour. Originally from the Netherlands, he's been all over the world boring people by spouting random trivia about toys, comics and films. A graduate of the Kerbert School in New Jersey, he works as a graphic designer and cartoonist. His work has been featured in a number of publications such as... Mad Scientist Journal, Craxon ma- Magazine, Metamorphosis, the Gallery of Curiosities, and the Hoy Comics. He is currently in the midst of completing his first children's book, and you can find him on. There's a couple of links there, one to Twitter and one to Joaquim's website. Now, this story is narrated by Brian Rowlands. Brian is a voiceover actor. He narrates a variety of podcasts and performs audiobooks. His latest adventure has been hosting the Dorky Geeky Nerdy Trivia Podcast, a show that's given gives listeners 30 geeky trivia questions on a different topic every week. And you can find him at thevoicesinmyhead.com. So, the Starship Sova is very proud to present. Ice in the Dark by Joaquin Hindermans. From the notes of Sergeant Bartholomew Quince, 77th Infantry, Unit 21, Galileo Outpost on Serena 4, Sala System. Day 1. We have arrived on Serena 4. Though the details have not been made official to us, what we have been told indicates that we have been sent out on a rescue mission. We will make use of the Galileo base, an old relic from the Ionosis War last used four decades ago. Despite its lack of maintenance, the compound is fully equipped with a wide range of defensive weapons and tools in proper working condition. 
with three levels of living quarters and two communications towers and a large hangar housing dated but still fully functional armored vehicles, I can't help but wonder the true reason of why this base had been abandoned so easily by its former occupants. The only non-functioning equipment seems to be the anti-aircraft cannons on the structure's roofs. We assume the weather and lack of maintenance have worn them down, but I doubt we will have much use for them anyway, considering the poor visibility in these never-ending snowstorms. Serena 4 is a desolate world that, despite its man-made breathable atmosphere established at the start of the war, is completely uninhabitable. It is located too far from its sun, Sala, causing it to be covered in ice. The weather is nothing but powerful winds at 70 miles per hour, blowing masses of snow and ice at dangerous speeds. I can't imagine what possessed the commanders during the war to build a base on this icy rock. Were there really insurgents planning on taking over this place to mastermind a strike against us? No well-thinking person would ever willingly go to this place. Guess that's why we're here. There are rations that can support us for a six-week period, and a number of entertainment rooms to keep us occupied when we're not on watch. A security system spread throughout the compound records all of our actions, and can be monitored from a reinforced room in the southern building. All in all, I gotta say, I feel pretty secure here. Whatever lurks out there in the snowy wilderness, if there is anything at all, we will be ready for it. Day 2 Our mission has been explained by command from Serena 5. Over three months ago, a group of special science teams had been sent to this frozen world to investigate and study the cause of unexplained disappearances of entire recon and tactical units during the Ionosis War. Among those who vanished at that time were the units stationed at the Galileo base. These science teams had been deployed about seven months ago and were well on their way to building a colony to sustain themselves while working on their studies. These were families with young children. Lieutenant Ayers will be set out with a majority of the units toward the last known location of the colonists. He estimates it will take them three to four days to find the colony and retrieve them all within another three days. He will bring four of the XF-4 snow tanks and the all-terrain armored medvac in the event of casualties. My own unit, Unit 21, will stay at the base and remain in contact with command. To make proper use of our time, we will set out to completely inspect the base and work to make it fully operational. While the base seems fine, I suspect that time has taken its toll on some of the systems and perhaps compromised the structure of the compound. We will test the weapons and make the necessary repairs. This base will become a well-oiled machine before the others return. We might have survivors coming in and they will need proper housing. Day 6 we have lost contact with the other units. Our last communique with Lieutenant Ayers made note of increasing bad weather headed up from the south. A number of his troops had gotten lost in the blizzards, and one of his XF-4 units is trapped under ice that crashed down during an avalanche. Communications ceased before I could learn what their current position was, leading me to speculate they have yet to locate the colony. I had considered sending out a reconnaissance unit after the others, but as I noted earlier, the weather has become more treacherous within the last 72 hours. Instead, I have ordered the men to reinforce the doors and walls to prevent cracks and cut down on weather damage. The defense systems have become increasingly buggy. They frequently malfunction and are in need of repairs. 
I am unwilling to send anyone out for repairs unless the situation becomes dire. But the change in climate is becoming more extreme, and it might make our departure from the planet more difficult. Our mood has become alarmingly more uneasy. It is strange. Thoughts of abandoning the mission and leaving the planet have become more frequent to many of us, myself included. A strange sense of discomfort, even fear, perhaps. A sense that something is out there in the cold, watching us, waiting. Day 11. We've lost contact with the base on Serena 5. The communication array has been jammed since late last night at 2312 hours. Private Vice went out for repairs at 1300 hours today. That was five hours ago, during which he made no attempts to contact us or any call for help. I do not think he will return. It is most likely he got lost in the blizzard. When the storm dies down, I will send out a search team to find Vice. If the storm dies down. The weather seems to have affected the security system as well. The cameras seem to shut down at random. I've decided to use this log to document what the security system won't capture. Corporal Steer, our technician, has been assigned to find what caused the camera failures of every camera on the base. I doubt he will find anything conclusive, but it's all we've got for now. We have officially given up any hope for the return of the other units who set out to find the colony stationed here. As noted, it has been nearly a week since Units 12 through 20 left the base under command of Lieutenant Ayers. Their SOS signal was registered 10 miles from the base. We believe they have been ambushed by an unknown enemy in the snowy plains, meaning we are not alone on this rock. The men under my command are put on watch, with a change of the guard every six hours. I'd give out longer shifts, but the weather takes its toll on the men, and the howling of the wind is unbearable. I can only expect so much from them. Despite the few setbacks, the base is still operational. A rec room for R&R, a fully functional kitchen, and walls thick enough to withstand cannon fire. Whatever is out there will be waiting, and will be ready for them. Day 17. There's tension among the men in the unit, with morale at its lowest. It's mostly caused by the howling of the wind. The blizzard never seems to let up. The constant noise is making everyone, including myself, nervous and high-strung. I could barely explain this dreadful feeling. As if some large beast has set its hungry eyes upon us and is letting us know it is coming. We thought we could manage it at first, but it never stops. As I'm writing this, I feel like someone is screaming in my ears. We have begun to ration the supplies that are left. Although we still have enough to sit out at least another six weeks, I believe that if we ration early, we can last long enough for command to retrieve us. For obvious reasons, the men are not pleased by their small rations. From snide remarks to verbal disagreements, they have made their frustrations very clear to me. But I will not stand for discord among the troops, and I will nip any form of mutiny in the bud. If we crack now, we are already dooming ourselves. On an unrelated note, a number of pipes for the water and sewage have frozen shut. I have put men on detail to heat the pipes using torches. They have been working non-stop with little result. 
I remain optimistic that we will get our water back, but this setback has cost us our heating system, dropping the temperatures drastically. I've allowed for fires to be made in designated areas and barrels so we don't freeze in the night. We will endure, no matter how difficult. We must endure. Day 21. The intensity of the blizzard seems to be dropping. With any luck, we'll be able to go outside soon. The heating of the pipes has been mostly successful, with water utilities returning. We will remain heating the pipes and running the temperature high to prevent future freezing. On a related note, Private Sims has come down with pneumonia and is constantly shivering with hypothermia. He might not last the night, despite our best efforts to raise his body temperature. At one point, the poor man nearly lit himself on fire when he placed his hands too close to one of the bonfires we had made, almost igniting his clothes in the process. Others have also been coughing more frequently. The cold and illness is becoming our greatest threat. We will monitor this as closely as we can. Day 22. Sims died last night. Unable to bury him, we have decided to cremate his remains. During the service, I realized how little I knew about the man. I have made it a point to get to know my men better, learn about their lives back home, and if they have families, I should prepare to bring home a number of tags. The blizzard has died down for now. No more howling winds. It is such a relief. We remain vigilant regardless. Regular watch has resumed. Still no sign from the other units or any hostile forces. Day 24. Last night, the blizzards returned. We were struck hard. Two men, Private Sander and Black, were found frozen by the gates. They were on watch duty when the wind broke the gate wide open. It seems its structure had become unstable due to the cold. Two others, Privates Kells and Corporal Stevens, who were working on the pipe system, had been found in a similar state. I cannot figure out why these four men did not move away from their location. They could have retreated, sounded an alarm. It almost seems as if they were caught by surprise. All four of them have been cremated as well. It took twice as long as it had with Sims. They were frozen solid. Our food storage has also been compromised. A seemingly unbreakable window in the back of the storage room had been shattered. Over 80% of our supplies are buried under a thick layer of ice. Our attempts to burn it out of the ice have been fruitless. Even if we did succeed, we would burn the supplies to a crisp making it completely inedible. We have moved what is left to the rec room. Two men will guard the room at all times. Could this be the work of some unseen enemy? Perhaps the same forces that are responsible for the disappearance of the other units? If it is, we are up against something who knows the base well. I'm beginning to question our security and have ordered that regular rounds be made across the compound should we have another breach like today. Day 28. Infighting amongst the troops. The tension has gotten worse in the unit since the loss of most of our food. Private Starks was seriously injured in an argument over rations. 
His face had been severely cut. The attacker, Private Bentry, has been moved to the storage room. The brig has become unusable after another breach. The entire sub-basement is covered in a layer of ice. I fear we might have a mutiny on our hands. I have been contemplating about taking away the troops' munitions, but that would be unwise this time. I feel we are being watched by some unseen enemy who strikes against us by using the low temperature somehow. Perhaps the ice is some kind of weapon? Some technology we were unfamiliar with that fires ice as a projectile? What is out there? Day 29 Private Starks was found dead in the medical ward today. His spine pierced by a shard of ice like a hunter's spear picking off its prey. His body frozen to his bed, imprisoned in the cold, hard ice. I could still see his face. The terror. The anguish. He was twenty years old. What the hell are we fighting? Day 34. This has been my first opportunity to write my report in five days. God, it's only been five days. Only four of us are left now. Me, Corporal Steer, and Privates Johns and Nguyen. Steer is working on a way to contact command. We haven't eaten in three days. After Starks was killed, I had most of the base shut down. We all moved to the power generator where it is warmer. Most of the passageways are blocked by ice. A group of five equipped with flamethrowers went out to clear the passage in the communication relay. We lost contact that same day. At night, we take turns on watch. We did not move from where we are. It seems like we aren't fighting an enemy anymore. It's something else. The planet itself? Some unseen spirit? I don't know. But whatever it is, I will not yield. I will not be beaten. Day 35. Johns is dead. We do not know the cause. Possible starvation. I have seen him share his rations with others. Such a waste of a good man. Steer has suggested that we eat Johns' corpse. I would not entertain this idea for a minute. The winds are fading again, just like before the gate was destroyed. Is this it? The end of our nightmare? The final push to eradicate us? We... We'll see. Day 36. It seems Johns's corpse has been frozen to the core, completely inedible. Tomorrow we will search for food. There must be something left in one of the areas we haven't searched yet. Day 37. Nguyen said he saw something move in the dark. I can't confirm, but we will remain vigilant nonetheless. It's so... Cold. Day 39. I am alone. Steer and Nguyen are dead. They crossed a walkway that shattered underneath them, as if they fell through cracked ice into the dark chasm below, swallowing them up like so many of us had been. We were heading toward the hangar. The plan was to take one of the XF-4 snow tanks and head out, we had no destination in mind. We just needed to get out, away from the base, away from all the death and the cold, digging its claws into the compound. But it was pointless. The tanks had been ruptured. 
frozen to the ground. No one was leaving. And now Steer and Nunyan are dead. I can still hear their wails as they fell into the darkness, screams of fear and exhaustion. I am alone. I am all that is left. But I will not die on this icy rock. Day 40. It is the ice. The very ice itself. I found a small emergency lab on the second floor. It is one of the few floors still free of ice. But it won't be for long. It is coming. I'm not a scientist, but I saw it. I briefly examined a piece of the ice under a microscope. How did I never think about it? The way it killed. The way it caught my men off guard. The very ice itself is alive. Something in it is moving, growing even like a virus. Something that can drop temperatures, cause it to grow in whatever way it wants to. I don't know how this is possible. As I noted earlier, I am no scientist, but my enemy now has a face. Now I just need to find a way to kill it. The last flamethrowers were lost when the group clearing the passageways were killed. And I'll find a way. It will pay for what it did to my men. Day 41 I saw it. It moved toward me, so much faster than I believed it could grow. It moved like a serpent, living ice. Ice that can think ice that can move and expand at will. And after yesterday's report, I thought I was mad. I think they know. They know I am planning something. I have resorted to be as silent as possible. The power is gone in most of the base. Only the small lab has light. It gets cold at night, so unbelievably cold. But I'll survive. I'll show them. They won't get me. No, they won't get me. Day 43. My final report. I'm completely surrounded by those things. Ice worms or an ice virus, perhaps. Living ice. Evil incarnated is bitter cold. The enemy. Death. They are coming. I hear them scraping themselves against the door, trying to break in, trying to kill the last man on the godforsaken base. They want to weigh the door down, push it aside, my barricade won't hold them for long. They will break through. They will kill me. But they don't know. I didn't leave the hangar empty-handed. Sixteen fusion grenades rigged around the base. Once they break the door, I'll flip the switch. No more base. No more ice. I hope the blast was strong enough. Nonetheless, they will be hurt. They will remember this day. This is Sergeant Bartholomew Quince, 77th Infantry, 21st Unit, signing off. I love you, Karen, with all my heart. Supplemental Notes on the Investigation of the Galileo Incident Provided by Captain J. Michael Tarsus of Sala Command Although we have never confirmed the whereabouts of Lieutenant Ayer's expedition, all the events surrounding his disappearance, I do not believe that there lies much truth behind Sergeant Quince's log. While I do not believe that he has committed these acts himself, 
There is no evidence of this living ice on the base. Many soldiers have indeed been found frozen solid, but there is a good chance this was caused by a mere malfunction in the heat generators to the base. Despite his unfortunate end at the hands of a collapsing structure due to the extremely low temperatures, as can be seen in supplemental image file number 482, I am relieved that Sergeant Quince's fusion grenades failed to function. There would be nothing to investigate had the base been destroyed. Our medical team has determined that the sergeant was caught off guard by the falling debris and his spine was instantly shattered by some sharp object. He died instantly. I believe the series of unfortunate incidents, combined with the harsh weather, had driven the sergeant mad and led him to believe such fantasies as living ice. It is truly tragic. I will remain on Serena 4 to finish my investigation of the events on the Galileo base. Samples of the ice involved in the deaths of the men of Unit 21 will be shipped to the laboratories on Serena 5 for further analysis. On an unrelated note, systems show that the temperatures have been dropping to dangerous levels on the planet. I have been told that our science division believes that Serena 4 had once been a thriving planet with a great variety of fauna and flora, and are left unsure of what could have caused this climate change. Whatever the cause of this cold is, I sincerely hope similar changes will not occur on other planets in our system. I, for one, will be relieved when I am back home away from this cold ball of ice. This is Captain Tarsus of Sala Command, signing off. And there you go. Whoa, ho, 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 man. Thank you so much indeed. Ice in the dark. What a story. Thank you so much. And Brian, lovely to have you on board, sir. Thank you so much indeed. Uh, honour, gentlemen. An honour. Thank you indeed. So that is today's show. I hope you've enjoyed it. Do let me know. There's a, there's a thing. Let us know. Starshipsover at gmail.com. Anything else, just drop us a line there. If you want to donate, this could really help us out. That would be fantastic. It's Patreon, just come up the front of the website, or a one-off donation. That would be amazing, and it would please me no end. Until next week, look after yourselves, take good care, and good night from me. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening. I don't get out much. I've barely left the ground. I'm tuning in to your transmissions. I'm moving, waiting to be found. And I'm building rockets. Pointing them to the moon But the work is going slowly It won't get to you anytime soon Can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio I want to talk to you This signal's going light speed By the time I get my say I might already be on to you and on my way But you're so far from here And at best I'm moving slow So I'm waiting on your call at home with nowhere to go 
can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. Myself on a radio wave, I might get to you someday. If books were rocket ships, I'd need only the will to fly. I'm still building word by word, and I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there. 